Amen. Thank you, guys. Guys, ready to get into the word tonight? Now, we are going to do this now that Facebook just clicked on. Everybody say, hi, Miss Sharon. Right, I hope, Miss Sharon, you're watching this either right now live or sometime over the next couple days. We love you. We are in agreement with you for that supernatural recovery. Uh, guys, if this is your first time, I don't think I see any first timers here tonight, but I'm Pastor Chip. I get to hang out. It sounds funny to say you're a pastor, like Pastor Chip. Just I went by Chip my entire life, but I am Pastor Chip. I get to hang out with the youth and young adults every Friday night. Uh, I get to lead worship up here with you guys on some Sunday mornings as well, and it's an honor uh, to be up here to speak with you this evening. I'm glad that once you saw on Facebook and Instagram it was me that you still decided to show up. So I will take that, that you like me and you are here to encourage me and bless me this week uh, as the words that God has given me uh, to share with you tonight. We're going to talk about a few things, but uh, I just kind of wanted to, to open up and, and talk about milestones. I know it's January. Uh, our church is celebrating 34 years. That's something awesome, isn't it? 34 years uh, of faithful ministry in this area. Uh, in a world of things that come and go real quick, of the microwave generation, of the uh, put it up on Instagram for 24 hours and it's deleted, of how fast things come and go these days, it truly is uh, an honor to be part of a church that has been faithful uh, to the promises of God, have followed after the word of God, and that's why we're still here, amen? God has a plan and a purpose for this church. I'm glad that you were a part of it. Miss Paula, it's good to have you here. Miss Paula was pouring into my life from the time I was seven years old till still is. I still, I still, she's still one of my spiritual uh, big sisters, um, but we're glad to have you here tonight, and just what a, what an honor to be part and celebrate something like, 34 years is a big milestone. Maybe we'll get excited more when we, when we hit 30 years old, or when you, now the church, next time we hit 40 years old, we'll be excited. I think every, we have these things that we have milestones where we celebrate them more than the other ones, but don't forget that each day is a gift from God, and we are doing the things that God has called us to in this area, so be grateful for it, maximize each one of those days. Uh, but these things, milestones, when I think about our church and, and how many people have come through here, I know uh, this coming weekend, uh, one of my good buddies, Blaze, his church in Texas is starting this weekend. That's a milestone. And, and I look back and I celebrate things like this because the milestones in my life, I was never on my own. Think about it. 34 years of this church and Pastor Mike and Miss Beth have had faithful helpers. They've had a faithful God. They've had uh, church members come in and out. I don't know how many churches have come out of this church, but God is doing huge things through the lives that this church has impacted. And I look back at milestones, and I'm sure my buddy in Texas, when he looks back at uh, this, in, this starting weekend for his church, that he's got to be just so overwhelmed with the love of God for one, but two, for the amount of people that have been involved in getting this to where it's at. Um, milestones. Uh, always include more than just yourself. Uh, we celebrate milestones like a birthday. Sometimes when we get older, we want our birthday just to be forgotten. I was hoping to stay 29 forever. That didn't work. Uh, we're, we're quite a bit past that. Uh, but milestones are something that we should celebrate with people. Some other milestones, like my wedding, um, was, an, was an awesome time. And I look back, and it wasn't just me and my wife. It wasn't just a me day. It was so many people that poured into those days. I didn't even know it at the time, but Miss Shaney had poured into part of my wedding and decided not to work the day of my wedding because she didn't want to see all of you there. Um, but she just, uh, she was in the, back, in the background part of it. And I look at the people that were part of us growing up and how many things and how many different people's lives touched each one of the milestones that we've had in ours. Right at our wedding, you look back to the people that helped raise you, the teachers and the pastors, Pastor Mike and Beth, and you look back at every friend that you've had as, as touched your life, and none of these milestones were on your own. 
we, we celebrated another milestone at my house yesterday. So the kids had, had school off yesterday, so I took the day off work. And as you know, I have uh, two beautiful little girls that look just like their mama. And one of them is eight, about to turn nine, and the other one is six. And we renewed our Knott's Berry Farm passes. That's a milestone, right? No, the, yesterday, the milestone, my six-year-old just hit 48 inches tall. That means that she can ride all the roller coasters. So we hit a milestone yesterday, and uh, all in the morning, we were getting ready to go. We went, we went about lunchtime, but she was super excited to go on these roller coasters, and I'm like, you know, this is really cool. So I wanted to make sure that we got a picture of the first time she went on a big kid roller coaster, and here it is. You guys have it? Can you see her down in the right front? Okay, so if you guys know this ride, this is Ghost Rider. Yes, she is every bit as scared as that picture would tell you. But, but I, I look at this, and I'm so glad I have a picture of it. Uh, she was so excited to go on the roller coaster that day to get to Knott's Berry Farm. It was our first time there this year. And I wanted to ride next to her just because that's the dad in me to protect her. And she wanted to go with her big sister, so they sat in front of me. And you can see me in the background with, with one arm trying to hold the roller coaster on the track. <laughs> but I watched as we, we went up this first click, 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 click. And as soon as we hit that first downslope, oh man, I was, the, the, the dad in me was ready to rip out of my seat and grab this kid. She went dead silent. And then as soon as we hit the first bump, she looks at her sister and goes, and, I, and every, everything in me was like, is she having fun? And then I heard her and she was not having fun. This picture was taken about 10 seconds after the first initial drop. Now as a dad, as we were preparing to go on this roller coaster, I'm grateful that our milestone wasn't just me and my two kids, because I don't know how to build a roller coaster. I don't know how to build the seatbelt. Now, the seatbelt, Carson weighs every bit of 43 pounds soaking wet, and the seatbelt didn't even, like, fit her. It was, like, hanging off. And then, like, so it clamped down, and I'm like, this is, maybe we shouldn't have just put a little extra padding in her shoes. Maybe we should wait till next year until she can actually go on the roller coaster. But you start thinking of these milestones, and this is a fun memory, but how many people went into the making of this? Right, you have, the, you have Knott's Berry Farm, the people that designed the roller coaster, the people that decided that they wanted to have the camera here. You have the people in the parking lot. So many people play a part in our lives that we never even think about, right, that we never give credit for. I know we have people here that work at Disneyland, so don't be mad at me that I put a picture of Knott's Berry Farm up on the screen. But it got, really got me thinking of how far our reach goes, right? How far our reach as Christians goes? How, how does your life impact other people's? Right, and something as silly as, as going on a roller coaster, and that's a memory I will have for the rest of my life. Guess how many roller coasters she went on the rest of the day? Zero. <laughs> Good job, Dad. She was so scared that she thought Bigfoot Rapids was a roller coaster. Like this, so she, she wouldn't even do the rides the rest of the day. We ended up playing carnival games, and you know, those are expensive, so that was a, another milestone on my bank account. But it was, it was a fun day, and it's, it makes you think about how far your reach goes. Right in, in one of the stories we're going to look at tonight, we're going to be in Acts, and it's going to start in Acts 3, but really, it started a lot earlier than that. And I think sometimes we read the stories in the Bible, we think about the, the times in our lives, and we just are given it for the moment, instead of thinking about what all goes into it. And so, if you know anything about this story, it's the lame man healed by Peter and John in Acts 3. And setting the stage, this is, Jesus has now gone back up, and he told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come and fill them. And they did, and they all started speaking in tongues, and they poured out on the street. 
And people thought they were, they were drunk, and they're like, no, it's too early in the morning to be drunk. They're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the prophet was saying. And Peter gives a message that lands thousands of people into the family of God. And then that, that takes us to here. At the end of chapter 2, it says this in verse 41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And if you go down to verse 46, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I have a note in my Bible that says this is church. Right, these, these guys come to know more about God and they want to be uh, together as much as they can and they're pouring into each other's lives and the church is growing daily. You guys know that you have to talk to people that aren't currently in the church about church if you want them to come to church, right? I know sometimes our friend groups are all just the perfect Christian friends that we have and they never make a mistake and everybody goes to their own churches and they're perfectly happy, but we do need to be able to talk about Jesus with other people that don't currently go to church. If you want the church to be added to, if you want the kingdom of God to grow, if you want to be a milestone in someone else's life, you have to try. So here we pick up the story at the beginning of chapter 3, and this is not a new story for you guys. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. I love that they go to church. They were buddies and they went to church. They went to pray, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And, and I think of this, uh, if you guys ever go to the grocery store, sometimes there's people out front just asking for money, and a lot of the times they won't even make eye contact with you. They'll, they'll ask you for money and then quickly move on to the other person. That's just the picture that I get with these guys who, seeing Peter and John about to go in to the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. You guys, I think this is a, an example for us in both ways. First of all, God is okay with you asking him things. Right, it is okay to ask your heavenly father. It says if you lack wisdom, ask. Those that don't have the Holy Spirit to ask. So it is okay to ask your heavenly father things. It is okay to have questions. It is okay to ask. But I also think it's important to look at this as if we were in the role of Peter and John. Because you have these guys just going about their daily life. They're headed to the church. They're, they're doing their own thing. And this guy just kind of casually asking for alms. He does this every day. And I bet you this wasn't the first time these guys went to church. What do you think? Probably not the first time these guys have walked by him. And so he's asking these guys for alms, expecting to receive something. And what I really think is interesting is they didn't give him what he expected. What was he expecting? He wanted money, right? So he wanted some money from him. And I think what's really interesting is, is Peter walks over and he says, look, what does it say? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, this is verse 4, with John, said, look on us. You guys, so many times I think as, as Christians, we just go about our daily life and we just kind of want to blend in. We just kind of want to hide. 
You guys ever gone to the grocery store uh, and not want anybody else to see you? Because you just really need milk for the kids in the morning. I have to go to the store tonight for my kids' cereal tomorrow. But there's times that we go to do these tasks and we're not ready or not willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that moment. Right, and I think that's something that I work on continually as well, especially because I live here in Foothill Ranch. You know, I don't want to be the guy that ignores somebody that needs help. And I think in this story, the guy is asking for alms, but what did he need? He needed more than just money. He'd been begging for money for a long time at these gates, and it hadn't solved the situation. It hadn't fixed him. People were still picking him up. People were still carrying him there and setting him there every day. And so these guys, Peter and John, they say, look at me. And, and I think that's, that's an attention grabber that, that we should have as a church body because the world needs, needs you. And so many times we just kind of try to hide or slide by, but they stop and they don't give him what he thinks he needs. What the world thinks they need is not what they need. They need Jesus, right? They're looking for material things. He's looking for material things or things that could help him maybe for the day. And they have something that's so much greater. And we go into this world how many times are we really willing to give what we have, which is the name of Jesus? You'll see what they give him in a moment. But I want you to know is the world doesn't really know what they need. I liken it sometimes to my kids. They don't really know what they need. They know what they think they want. And that's a big difference. So you have this guy begging for alms, and they say, look at me. When's the last time you took a non-Christian and said, look at me? Never, right? We're kind of, that's a little boldness you have to have, right? But they say, look at me, and then you go on to say, silver and gold have I none. You all know this because the church preaches it as these guys are broke, and they're not. I've never seen somebody that's broke ask somebody else that is broke for money. So clearly they caught his attention somehow. He asked them for money, and then they say, look at me, and go, go ahead and pick up the story. Verse 5, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. You guys want to know why he received? Because he was expecting. I'll leave you with that. He received because he was expecting. Then, then Peter said this, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And what did he have? The very next line says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you guys know the story. He took him by the right hand and, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened and he stood up and went walking and leaping and praising God. I wonder if we gave people what they really needed versus what they were asking for, what that would look like in our daily lives. What would that look like on your trip to the grocery store? Instead of dropping a few things to change uh, in, the, in, the, in the bucket that the person has? What if you stopped and engaged in a conversation? What if you stopped and talked to them about Jesus? Skip all the way down. You know how the story goes. They go in and people are like, wow, how did you guys do that? They start making a big deal about these guys. And then Peter answers them. In verse 13, it says, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, this is verse 14, and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Then here we go, verse 16. 
And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Guys, what did they have to give him? It was the name of Jesus. Flip back to the end of Mark. This is nothing new for you guys, but at the end of Mark, Jesus is talking to these guys. In Mark 16, In verse, verse 14, it says this. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now, I know sometimes we like to think that after Jesus was risen, everything was just smiles and hugs and kisses, but he was still correcting these guys. I am a parent. One of my favorite verses these days that gets me by is who the Lord loves, he corrects. I'm doing my best to raise godly children, which means correction, reproof, rebuke, and lots of snuggles. Verse 15, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. What was Jesus giving them? His name. And it goes on to list what his name does. Those that believe in my name shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Verse 20, it says, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name name. The authority is in the name of Jesus. Isn't that good? Jesus walked this earth, and before he left, he said, in my name, these things shall you be able to do. And then we see it when we pick that story up in Acts 3. That's exactly what's, what's happening. I think so many times we try to get caught up in what, what gifts and callings do I have? What are the things that, that I have that are super special to me? Instead of just looking sometimes at this blanket thing of what we are supposed to do and what we are supposed to use is the name of Jesus to make a milestone in someone's life. I know people are gifted. I don't have a special gift of healing, but I know the Bible says if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the word of God, and we've seen it manifest before. I was talking to my dad today about how, many, how sometimes we, we forget how many things God has done in our lives. And sometimes the further removed we get, we start to chalk them more up to coincidence or make those things seem like they weren't as big as they actually were at the time. But look back at your life and those things that you once held on tight as proof that God is in your life. And remember that moment. I've told you the story about praying for my mom and then instantly on the spot she was healed. I've told you the story about a young lady. Uh, there's, there was two of them in our young adults group. One was a hairdresser whose foot was hurting and keeping her out of work. We laid hands on her and her foot was immediately healed. She went back to work. We haven't seen her since. <laughs> then there was another, another young girl that came and she had a, a shoulder issue. And I think a few of them, wasn't even during service, a few of our young adult ladies laid their hands on her outside the service and she started going, this is weird. Why is my shoulder better? Because we gave her the name of Jesus. That girl came to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. 
And I think it's interesting, such as I have, give I thee. And we try to make up all these different things or what can I give them that would help them. And really in a world where material things diminish and we don't take anything with us, what can we give them that's going to make a difference? It's the name of Jesus. It's faith in the name of Jesus. I like that these guys had the name and they decided to use it. You know it's a good idea to follow what Jesus tells you to do? If you simply do what he's called you to do, he's going to be there and walk with you. Let's go real quick to John 3, 16. Yes, the most famous verse written on football players, eye black everywhere, and, and it's awesome. The context of John 3, 16 is, is Jesus talking to a Pharisee who snuck in to talk to Jesus about what's going on. Hey, dude, is it really you? Are you the guy we're looking for? This is a guy named Nicodemus. In verse two, it says, the same came to Jesus by night. Let me as well read verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou dost except God be with him. Go all the way down to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in what? In the name of the only begotten son. I love our example that we get from, from God himself. God so loved that he gave. So if we're called as Christians to follow after this life of Jesus and we're, we're, we're made in the image of God and we see that God so loved that he gave and we know that he gave his son and really as a father, I don't know what other thing that I could give that would be worth more value than a child. Right? There's no amount of money in the world that I would sell one of my daughters for. There's no sports car or monster truck or tickets to the Super Bowl that I would sell my kids for. There's nothing of more worth to a father than his child. Am I right, dads? Nothing. I mean, let's not, let's, mom sit next to you so you can kind of like, you, you first, sweetheart. But I love that it's God so loved that he gave. And that's the example that we have. And then you see these guys in Acts 3, silver and gold, I have not. But such as I have, give I thee. And what did they give them? The most valuable thing that they have. I think so many times we just think of the name of Jesus as, as, as something instead of the thing. You want to make a difference in someone's life, it's going to happen through the name of Jesus. You know, when I work with, with young people, uh, I get a lot of imbalance of emotions versus the truth of the word of God, right? That's a daily choice that young people, even uh, I'm still young, so people my age as well, probably uh, people older as well, that we're, we're trying to balance the truth of God's word versus our emotions. And until the name of Jesus is the thing, that's going to be a constant battle for you. If Jesus is just one of the things in your life, that's going to be a constant battle. But when he is the thing that is of utmost value to you, that's when compromise is no longer an option. 
That's when temptation no longer has power over you. I didn't say that it wouldn't come. But it no longer has power over you. When the name of Jesus and your relationship with him is the thing that drives what you're doing. That is the most important thing in your life. So what are we called to do with it? I love that these guys, such as I have, give I thee. You guys, if you're not living and breathing by the word of God in this relationship with Jesus, if you're not living by the name, how can you give the name? For so long, the church has just kind of floated by without the power of the name of Jesus to watch things like this happen. And you have a church world, a world at large that sits by and goes, why would I want what you have if it doesn't look any different? But did you notice that these guys in Acts, when the spirit fell and they, de- they decided that speaking in tongues, they were speaking in tongues, then they laid hands on people, 3,000 people added, 5,000 people added. The power in the name of Jesus makes a difference and it will become a milestone in someone's life if you will just give it to them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you're trying to con someone into knowing Jesus or just trying to mentally convince them. These guys didn't have to convince this guy, he came expecting to receive something of them. Now, he got something different than he thought. But how many of you would trade the ability to walk for any amount of money, right, if you're in this guy's case? To be able to walk unhindered and rise up in the name of Jesus or get a few coins chucked in my bucket? His life was forever changed that day. And because of his witness, tons of people came to know Jesus. He gave first. You guys know First John. Let's flip to First John real quick. I won't keep you too much longer. How many of you are glad that our God leads by example? That's how we're supposed to lead as well, right? I I know uh, in talking to my dad today, he was expressing uh, how sometimes it's difficult. Uh, There was somebody that uh, he ran into. He's a real estate agent, so one of the clients that they were working with uh, didn't like the way something was happening, so was yelling and causing a whole fuss and, and cussing. And then when they, when they parted ways, he said, have a blessed day. My dad almost blew his top, right? Just, just, just in the idea that we have this church idea that we can bounce in and out of being a Christian, you know, your best business transactions will take place when you honor God. Your best, uh, whatever you do, if you're a doctor, your best... Patience will be the ones that you are able to minister through the name of Jesus. If you are an accountant, the, however you want to pray over numbers, I don't know how you're going to do that, but whatever. When you honor God in everything that you're doing, that's going to be your best results. So we're here in 1 John. He gave first. He loved first. You guys know in verse 19 it says, we love him because he first loved us. That's in 419. But what I want you to see is this love of God, it warrants a response from us. So go back to 1 John 3, and in verse 16, it reads like this. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. That's what God did. We know he loves us because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. God loves we love. God gave. We gave. It's a pattern that our Lord has set up for us, and it's easy to follow, guys. The action sometimes may take a little bit of effort, but the, but the way that it's supposed to happen is laid out for us. Let's keep reading. 
Verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Your life of believing on the name of Jesus, of using the name of Jesus, is how you love others. Did you see it? We're called to love others by sharing and living out the name of Jesus with them. Oh, man. What did that name of Jesus buy you? I mean, we could, ask, we could pass a microphone around and see how Jesus has changed your life. And those are the things we're supposed to share with others. The power in the name of Jesus is what we're supposed to share with other people. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Let's go to chapter 4. Verse 10 says this, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I made a note in my Bible because sometimes as we walk this out as Christians, we always think that love should be reciprocated. How many of you know that, that Jesus paid the price for every single piece, every single person in this world, but not everyone is going to love him? We love him because he first loved us. Jesus loved every single person enough to go to that cross, even the ones that will never love him back. So I made a note in my Bible, and I hope you will do this as well because it's encouraging Love, real love can be a one-way movement. Now, it doesn't sound real romantic if you're trying to watch a movie with Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey, you know, how they always miscommunicate and it's love one way, love the other. No. When you're talking about the love of Jesus and the way that we love, because Jesus loved you whether you loved him or not. So how are we supposed to love the people around us, whether they ever love us back or not? Man, that's not very fun, is it? Right, like I, I want to love them with the expectation that they'll love me back, and most people do, right? That's why you're here. But that can't be something you can expect when you're trying to reach a lost world who has no idea what love is. But the action that God moved, whether, they were gonna, whether we were gonna love him back or not, that's what love is. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we all also love one another. Well, there, it just said it. I didn't, you didn't have to take my word for it. The Bible said it. You're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to love other people whether they love you back or not. We can hope they love you back. If we love one another, this is verse 12. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Go down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. If there was ever a question of what we were supposed to give people, it's the love of Jesus. We're supposed to be doing the things that Jesus did. We're supposed to be living the way that he did to lead others to know his heavenly father. As he was, so are we in this world. Let's keep reading. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love him. Do you love Jesus? 
Would you say that with me? We love him. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. Aren't you glad that he made the first move? You know, a lot of the times in young people when they're learning or trying to figure out how to ask somebody out, nothing ever happens because nobody makes the first move. I'm just, don't be in a hurry, young people. But I'm just really glad that he made the first move. And when you understand that full love that he has for you, the price that was paid for you, it warrants the response that you love him back. And when your heart is filled with the love of Jesus and you're loving him back, and then how does the Bible say that you show him that you love him? You keep his commandments. Now, we don't always like to hear that. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he commands you to love other people. Man, what if we were a church that just, when somebody walked in, we didn't judge, we just loved? And I'm not talking about the people in your life that are constantly doing the wrong things. You don't have to just agree with them and let them sink all the way down. But real love casts out all fear. So those people will come to you. If they know that you love them, they'll come to you with their deepest and darkest fears, and you can point them right back to the name of Jesus. When these people are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, who the Lord loves, he corrects, and he's our example. But you can't do that one foot in and one foot out. You can't be the guy that cusses up a storm and then says, God bless you on the way out the door. Because anytime you try to preach Jesus or talk Jesus to somebody, they're going to be like, man, I know you. That ain't going to fly. I know who you really are. Don't tell me about this Jesus stuff. You ain't living it. We give because he gave. We love because he first loved. I'll leave you with this. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. You know, I think we can... The further along we get in our Christian walk, sometimes we battle with mentally grasping things versus living them out versus having them in our heart. And, and sometimes we just get to the point where we overcomplicate something. Uh, my mom had a friend back in, in a long time ago, um, I think right out of high school, one of the smartest people that you would have ever met and, and drove himself clinically insane trying to overanalyze everything literally went into an institution. And I think sometimes, as Christians, we do that with the Bible. You know, I've had people try to explain to me why healing can't be for us. And I said, well, the Bible says it is, and that girl got healed three weeks ago. You know, and, and sometimes it seems like whatever Bible college you go to, it's a very set doctrine that comes out, or there's, there's different ways of thinking. And sometimes we just completely overcomplicate things. And, and I look at verses like John 10.10, and it says this, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. And this is what Jesus came for. Here's his own words. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Guys, whose example are we supposed to be following? We're called Christians. I'm come that they might have life. And think of it this way. I'm not asking you to sacrifice yourself or hang yourself on a tree for someone else. Jesus paid that price. His blood is the one that could do that, not yours. But what I want you to think about, is when you leave someone's life, when you enter someone's life, when you speak with them, what does that do in that moment? 
We see Peter and John in Acts 3 clearly following Jesus' example and leaving that man's life more abundant than when they went in. So I'll ask you, what are you leaving with the people that you come in contact with? Are you ministering life to them? Are their lives better for having you in it? I think that's a challenge for all of us because I think we could all look at different relationships that we have. Well, my work friends, I just kind of mind my own business. I don't really minister to them. I'm a nice guy. They think I'm cool. We have our church friends. Oh, we're always talking about the Bible. Of course we're ministering life to one another. But I really want you to think about that. Jesus' example and the example that we see these guys living out is that they would impact people in the name of Jesus so that their life would become more abundant. So what is holding you back? Come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You're like, Chip, you're not Jesus. I'm not, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We have his name. We are his ambassadors here called to do the work that he did. Amen? Check it out in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life for his sheep. You guys, if you flip over to John 21... You guys will recognize this guy. The same guy that we've been talking about, this guy that, this guy Peter, that is the one that preached on the day of Pentecost and added people to the church, the guy that was at the gate and told the guy to look at me, look at me, such as I have, give I thee. And he gave him the name of Jesus. This is the same guy that walked on the water. This is the same guy that goes on to deny Jesus the night that he was betrayed. And we just see Jesus tell you what his job description was. And we pick up the story. Jesus has now been to the cross, beat up Satan for us, is now risen, and he's back on the earth. We'll pick up the story in verse 12. It says, Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples asked him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then comes and takes bread and gives to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples and that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than those? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou know that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, Thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Love thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou know that I love you. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Do you guys remember what we just read that Jesus said his job was? that he was the good shepherd. And as he's about to go up to heaven, he tells Peter, he says, now it's your turn. He says, I'm going, my job's done. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm gonna give you this name, this name of Jesus, and your job is to feed my sheep, to take care of this flock. And we see what Peter goes on and does with that. You guys, the, the idea behind tonight and the milestones is is you have the ability to impact people far more than you would ever think.
from the, from the money that you give uh, to different ministries, from the things that we've supported here at this church and how those hands have reached around the world to, to see God do miraculous things. But we have a job to do, and that is not to be a sideline Christian. It's to be a Christian that, that gives the world what they need, and we know that they need the name of Jesus. People in this world are hurting. People in this world are asking for things that's not going to fix the problems that they have. It's not going to give them an ultimate solution. And until the church steps up, until we step up and say, look at me, and in the name of Jesus, here it is. This is what you need. You guys, let's, let's make sure that we make the most of every opportunity because you can be a milestone in someone else's life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for your word, God, and that, that you've called us to be a people that changes this place. Jesus, thank you for the example that you set forth, that you didn't leave us on our own. You gave us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, and you gave us the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, the name that is above sickness, the name that is above poverty, the name that is above lack. So Jesus, we purpose to be a people that when the world says, I need something, we say, yeah, you do. And his name is Jesus. Let us be bold enough by your Holy Spirit to share, to not be intimidated by the situation or the, or the, the economic or social status of someone else, but that we'd be a people bold enough to share your love. God, because you were bold enough to share it with us. We love you because you first loved and you've called us to go out into this world to preach the gospel, to share your name and to love on others. That's our purpose, God, to love like you did, to do your work, to be your hands and feet, to feed your sheep, to feed your lambs. We love you, Father God. We thank you for the hearts represented here, for the things that you've done in our lives that we can look back on and say, undeniably, it was you, Lord, that brought me through. You're the one that made a way, God. Help us to be reminded of those things, of those milestones, and never let go. And help us to be a people that introduce others to Jesus so their lives are forever changed. God, we love you. We thank you for this night and for this word. You are worthy, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for being here tonight. Pastor will be back on Sunday. We love you. Have a great rest of the week. See you.